hello, lovely ladies. As we have now had a small round of introductions behind the scenes, uh, it's high time to jump into introductions that other people will later hear during listening to this podcast. I think it's proper to start with a question about the name. I have uh, done a little bit of research, looked around, and everything seems improper. To have like improper exposure, involvement, walls, different series of kind of events and projects happening. Can you start with explaining where the name came from, where the idea to start an organization and a space with such a name came from, and how it all just came to life? So as a, as the name says itself, like it's, it's about a wolf, like improper wall. So basically we found the space uh, very abandoned and it took us, I don't know, half a year, I think, to renovate it. And um, while we were doing that, we are already thinking, of course, about the name of the space. And um, I think it came to life very organically. It was actually coined by one of the co-founders, artist and curator from Lithuania, Justas Pranevičius. Also, I think one of like another reason why it's improper walls, uh, because we were not aiming to have a white cube gallery space. Um, so it all came together very organically and naturally. So we never even <laughs> thought changing a title or name or something. And that it grew and then it grew uh, with us after that. And everything we did, we started to maybe not even us who started to do that. Other people, they were like already saying like improper team, mm, improper, improper people, you impropers. Like, so they kind of generalized that already in a, in a scene here. And then we, of course, started to use ourselves, like uh, signing our emails, like improper team. Um, in 2020, we also collaborated with Vienna-based um, design agency on our visual rebranding. And they came up with this proposal that it's some kind of like improper cosmos. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and for us, it's like, okay, so then that's the way we can structurize uh, our activities because we do so many different things. Uh, so we like thought, okay, like so. We do uh, exhibitions, so it's improper exposure. We do artist talk, we do performances, um, discussions. We call it uh, improper exploring. Uh, we collaborate with someone. Okay, that's that's our involvement. So why not to call it improper involvement? And then so on and so on. We have improper dose, which is our mm -hmm. online magazine. We have improper sessions, uh, which are live music performances we have in our space. I, I think even the story about the the, the name of the space, or as we call ourselves, cultural platform, actually, because we're not existing only in a physical a space, space here, yeah. already tells a lot of what we do and what we are. You, and you do a lot as well, uh, from all the improper things that I noticed going through your YouTube channel and just uh, getting familiarized with the website. The logical question from there is, what do you put on the improper walls? What kind of projects you are looking to uh, be involved with? Uh, what is the philosophy of the space? Who are you working with? I know it's very different people, but what is the global approach to what the space and then the larger non-physical project does? Yeah, I don't know. I think there are like many questions in that question. It's like, first of all, uh, what's our philosophy? And it's like, I mean, who do we collaborate with? Uh, we're a very, we're always like really up for collaborating with different institutions and different partners. And as Justina talked about it before, we're, uh, we're also initiating other projects in which we are also part of. And we also co-curate. So for example, <clears throat> and this, uh, we can talk about it more like, um, for example, what this year our plan is, we kind of like, because it's very confusing for to, to say actually what we're doing as, as improper walls, it's very uh, confusing for everyone and for ourselves as well to define it. 
So we kind of thought of um, how to divide it for ourselves and for everyone to, you know, to, to have a better structure. And uh, we, we thought about like, okay, so we will, we will uh, divide our plan into six categories and which would be the first one, like new initiatives, uh, second projects we curate, uh, third projects we co-curate, projects we host, and curation outside the space of improper walls and participation in events. And I can give you some examples if you want to hear. Uh, for new initiatives, <laughs> for new initiatives, we have uh, an upcoming event, which is uh, a kickoff, actually, of a conference, which is called Bo Bal. Uh, and it explores the development of art and culture in the Baltic states and the Balkans after the end of the of the socialist regimes in both regions and how to build a network between art and culture and institutions. The second initiative we have this year, and I mean, these are supposed to be ongoing things, ongoing projects, uh, is SORSOR, which is like still the working title is not very fixed but it would be a decentralized uh, festival of 10 years, 10 days, sorry. <laughs> 10 years, that would be too much. It's fun to fundraise for, yeah. Yeah, but we want to promote basically uh, artistical practices uh, from the global south. And then, for example, projects we curate, we have uh, solo exhibitions like Camilo Take, an Uruguayan artist who will deal with... Um, the topic of masculinity, gender, identity. We have for the third year a collaboration with Made of Millions. We will make an open call and it's about mental health. And basically, I mean, we, we talked already about uh, shame within the mental health spectrum. And this year we want to focus on the relationship between mental health and sexuality and how it's intertwined and it, it influences in, in everyone's development. Then, for example, projects we co-curate, uh, we are also organizing another festival, which is called XX Flannery, and it's based in the 15th district of Vienna. And it also collaborates with, uh, with Lithuania and also with Catalonia. There's another project called LT Art, which is <laughs> <laughs> also like uh, bringing uh, artists, performers uh, from from Lithuania to Vienna, and creating this this course, basically like bringing contemporary Lithuanian art. And another project is Question Me and Answer, which is also a collaboration with um, Refugees Welcome. And we want to create visibility for people with migrational background uh, and kind of like change a bit like this very stiff, um, how to say? Tokenizing uh, um, conversation or expo tokenizing exposure of the artists with uh, migration and refugee background. Exactly. A lot of socially engaging topics. Yes, I mean, Justina, you can talk a bit more about the philosophy, but it's it's uh, for us is a key word. It's like social engaging social art. I think that's that's a bit how we uh, define our difference. What what makes us different from other art spaces is that we really put into focus. Of course, like sometimes we we also do other projects, but. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, like we really tried to have like socially engaging projects. Yeah, and I don't know, like, I mean, I can tell you more, like, I mean, we have participation in other events, but I think I talked enough. <laughs> you can say a bit about the, do you want to talk a bit um, about our philosophy? Yeah, I, I think the picture of what we do on what kind of events and kind of what kind of exhibitions we are engaged in, with uh, it's it's quite clear um yeah and it also like uh, paints a picture of our philosophy and as you mentioned before there is like of course lots of like uh socially engaging topics and and we are in our philosophy we talk about it that we 
and we also believe in it that, and, and we aiming that to be this enablers and facilitators uh, for cultural impact and, and social change. And that's why our events and, uh, and everything we organize is organizing is is focusing on that it actually also like a lot of represents us because Mm -hmm. it comes from the this personal need to to do you know when you have some kind of platform to express your own voice you feel you have to use it you obligate it uh, it it enables, and you cannot just like. I, I think it will be would be so unfair living in 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 the world like this. Or like, I mean, it's the world was never easy, but uh, um, uh, having this knowledge and facing all the social issues around and uh, and not not do anything about it, especially when you have this kind of power or privilege. To talk yeah. about it, <laughs> exactly. So, uh, so I guess it's 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 it starts with uh, it starts with us. Uh, mm-hmm. We are quite a big team, so like we can also bring uh, bring in different ideas and uh, different topics and issues and uh, and facilitate it. In, in first of all, between us and then. Also, artists, many artists we work with, they also come already with some topics which are mm-hmm. very present and, uh, and important, uh, mostly for, like, I would say, like our generation, because that's, we uh, don't uh, exceed so much within this generational uh, cohort, I would say. I don't know, like, but it's not also on purpose. We never did anything on purpose, like to be all, all female team or work with uh, artists uh, within the similar age uh, spectrum. It's, I think it's just like what unites us and what like, you know, be interested in similar mm-hmm. topics. And yeah. and I mean, similar, but also different. Exactly. Like everyone brings their own personality in which everything that we're doing like we said before, like, I mean, we're six at the moment, like six female identifying personalities working here, also coming from completely different backgrounds and coming from, you know, like, I mean, Lithuania, Mexico, Hungary, Slovakia, and everyone has a bit of taste, you know, and like before we used to, everyone would have like, the opportunity to do whatever they wanted. Now I think we also structured a bit more our work. And I think it, it because we're growing, it also, it makes sense. And everyone has kind of like a specialized thing. So for example, Barbora is our chief from Improper Those, and she can write amazing texts and like amazing editorials. And she can, you know, like, uh, or Elizabeth, she's very interested in music. And then, uh, she's taking care of the improper sessions and everyone is bringing like Urda, our like super woman doing finance and uh, managing, like everyone is bringing different things. And I think also this, this thing about like us being kind of like international people, like living in Vienna, it's also reflected in our work. And migration, you can always see it's kind of like a non-going thing. Also, gender, feminism, these are things that not on purpose, but I mean, it's our interest and it's our reality. So, of course, we have to talk about it. Exactly. And at the same time, it brings here the community. So we built a community around us and community, of course, reflects us. That's how it works. Like so, because people are attracted by other people Mm. where you can like reflect something like right we are mirrors to each other so that's how our community grows that's how it like we we can um, exchange the topics talk about it Mm. uh present it expose it being maybe like you know uh, also solution oriented somehow so create a dialogue, even community-based, even create a dialogue with the community in our district or in a city or even even international. international. Yeah. So that's how it works uh, for us. When you speak about community, uh, you mentioned that you had six members. The community kind of forms around the main team. 
Now we have two people joining our podcast. And I think to understand a little bit more about your backgrounds as well and other people's backgrounds, how it draws people to the community, we would need to know a little bit more about you. <laughs> so can you tell us more about yourselves and also about other team members? Don't have to go very um, into depth, but just who is behind Improper Walls? I think you, you, you can introduce the team like we already are aware that we are six at the moment. Uh, the team is also changing. I would say like uh, we are core team, me, Ale and Urte. So we are here from very beginning and the other team members, they uh, either came later or we had uh, other team members who came and left. I don't know if you're aware, but we are a non-profit organization. So that means like we also cannot uh, um, hold on of people because we don't uh, offer the job space. We offer the space for creativity, for expressing yourself, to being a, uh, a part of the community or being a part of team. So no one, uh, so we don't hold on on anyone and no one is holding on us in that case. That's mm. just like introduction, like of the, uh, on the team dynamics. <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, it's also like, uh, as you might know, um, it's a lot of work whatever <laughs> if you're very engaged especially this this uh these things it's uh, an ongoing work you never have like you know like you can work every day every single hour on doing something and something making it better and like so of course it depends like we are all struggling but making it <laughs> uh To, to be able, yes, <laughs> to be able to have uh, this platform and to be able to to fulfill also, I think because it's also a, a personal kind of like need of doing something and, and creating and collaborating. I see it like really as a personal need for ourselves and also a need for the community. But well, I can tell you a bit more about... Um, us you seen us studied social what is social work, <laughs> social work. <laughs> just so you have an idea so how different are our backgrounds uh Urto studied statistics i said it off of uh, cam camera of recording that i studied art and art history we have barbora which actually came as our intern and now is also a very solid member she started art right um something fancier i cannot remember exactly the name it was uh, digital art digital yeah like multimedia art something like that um and she's now uh the head chief of improper those then um elizabeth studied oh my god international international development, development. <laughs> Uh, our, our chief also from from improper sessions and Kata which just arrived in September this year and she's our intern and uh, she's also now uh, kind of like brewing a project she would like to to have um, and yeah I mean as, as Justina said like I mean all all the projects everything is like I mean It's also based how much time we have, how much initiative we want um, to have. Um, but Improper Walls, it's a place for really developing something, you know, from yourself. And like, I mean, giving we, we have the, the opportunity. So whatever are your interests, you can develop it here. But you have a platform, you have um, a voice. And I think it's super important to use it. And you have uh, our support. Like, so that's what... We tell exactly. everyone because we have already quite a, a, a bit of experience. <laughs> yes, I mean, that's also another thing. We're all coming from different backgrounds, but I think we all grew together. Like, I mean, no one from us studied uh, curating, for example. But we, after almost eight years, I mean, I cannot say we nailed it, but uh, we're all trying to experiment and to learn as much as we can. And with the interaction of all the artists and organizations we've been working with. So we've gained uh, a lot of experience. And it's, uh, I mean, that's also very 
very beautiful because it's not a very rigid institution in proper walls. Uh, it's an ongoing thing and it's a place for our development. Yeah, that sounds actually like something that was missing for me when I was doing internships and in several in so it wasn't always the case. I've had amazing internships with people who were really like, you can learn from me and uh, I can help you. And that's, I mean, you're helping the organization grow, but I also want you to grow and to get something out of it. And then I've had internships or experiences where it's like, you feel like they don't even want to have a conversation with you. It's just, you do X, Y, Z, and that is your job. And that is the extent of our communication. Bye. On the topic of working nonstop, I think both me and Katerina, who's also here, but we haven't heard her yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm here. I just don't want to interrupt you. That's so interesting. <laughs> we uh, can quite relate to this uh, working nonstop because we are also a nonprofit and we are very fresh nonprofit. Our, like we do fundraising to make this whole thing even happen. We do communication to make people apply for the open call. Yeah, it's even harder from the very beginning because you just constantly shape your organization, but uh, it's just everything. We're inventing a, a bicycle and it's exciting and hard at the same time. You, I think, are in the same spot in Vienna, but we are all in very different places around Europe right now. Yeah, Katja and I have actually met because she was traveling to Finland, but with everybody else, it's like 15 people in a Zoom call and like, mm -hmm, you, we're doing this, you're doing this, you're doing that. It's amazing times that we're able to work like that, isn't it? Like, I mean, I know, of course, after the pandemics and constantly being on Zoom calls and having everything basically by, so in a digital space, it's a bit annoying like to keep on doing these things on a regular basis when there is like opportunity to meet uh, personally, but how amazing is that that we 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 have like this opportunity to all sit together at the same time in a digital space and kind of like work for the same thing in different parts of the world. I just think it's also very fascinating. Yeah, now we already got used to work online, so it's I think it's much easier uh, comparing to two years ago. Uh, so almost everything. Um, turn to online. Uh, maybe you can tell us a bit more. Uh, how did you deal with the pandemic times? Uh, how did your project uh, go? So maybe you had you definitely you had to adapt your strategies and uh, what what changed. It was actually like I mean I can say we never stopped. Maybe the first week we were all shocked and I like okay so we have to quarantine and everyone was very strict about it. But it also it left some space for new ideas and for new things. As you say like kind of like rethinking what's our main communication or how to still engage with our community or with the audience and what we want to continue doing. It was very obvious for us that we didn't want to stop. There were some exhibitions planned at that time and we introduced, for example, like online exhibitions. It was the very first time we introduced, so on top of the exhibition, of the physical exhibition, to have a digital space um, exhibition. And I think this was possible, like really thanks to our amazing Barbora and her skills and Mozilla Hubs and like other um, platforms. So that was first, first thing of all. And we're also very lucky to have in the space uh, really big windows, which go directly to the street. So we could plan exhibitions, which were I mean, to see outside. And of course, on top of it, you have the digital space if you really want to know, to have more information from all the artworks. And I mean, a lot of things happen actually. Like, yeah, then we introduced, for example, having these artist talks online, which was very good. But the, the first project which kind of like followed these guidelines was uh, Fuck You Albedo, mm -hmm. an exhibition about uh, climate crisis 
and uh, also like a lot of artists were like international artists like being in different parts of the world and it, it it just made everything kind of like it fits very good like having this international artists and having like uh, online talks and an online exhibition and then also for the locals and for Vienna people who were interested to see the works in face to face like with three meters distance <laughs> they could come to our window and check the show and uh, and another thing we did of course which was super important uh we initiated uh improper those which is a newsletter slash blog which were mainly like i mean we, we were thinking okay so what do we do now so we, we still wanted to continue with this uh, communication with our uh, audience. But we also thought like, oh, it would be super nice if we could share with people a bit more about us, about our personality, about what interests us. Because, of course, like having, um, having exhibitions, this is also kind of like a reflection of ourselves, but not in a very personal way. In this way, we could be a bit more personal. We could share, I don't know, cooking recipes and like playlists. Of course, now the blog online magazine uh, developed into a more community engaging uh, platform or it also turned into more kind of like social turn, but it's it's still, um, I mean, it came from this really desire of engage and be a bit more personal with uh, so introduce ourselves a bit more i think it came from this that like okay we cannot curate now like something physical let's curate online and we i remember we shared like you know this uh, i think it was every two weeks at the beginning or something and we we divided ourselves in a small team no, i think it was every week every Even week every at the beginning yes yes <gasps> Yeah, we divided ourselves yeah. into into uh, teams of three or two people, and then we would come up like with different content, interviews, and like I mean, sharing initiatives which we were very interested. Actually, that's how the collaboration with Made of Millions started, because Orte uh, was very interested. She was following their their work already for some time. And then they had an interview and then like really like this idea of having an exhibition about mental health started. But I think you, you have to take the best out of it. And I can say like from our sides, it just brought... Um, I mean, I cannot say just good things, <laughs> but we try to see the positive side and like, I mean, we try to um, to adapt as well. And it's also kind of like this resilience act, like not stopping and I mean, continue creating and doing things. Yeah, because it is in the end temporary. It's everything's going to continue, albeit maybe in a different kind of form for a little while, but then everything will go, go back on its rails. So giving up on something that is dear to you and can progress in the future sounds silly for us as well. The pandemic, for me, it was a moment to... Um, I actually did my first proper two solo exhibitions, slash one open studio, one solo exhibition, uh, I worked for different organizations. I created new context. I started a nonprofit <laughs> all from home. Uh, actually, just a shout out to Estonia. You can start a nonprofit in Estonia with opening up a bank account, registering and getting all the paperwork done on your screen from Finland. I didn't have to move from Finland to Estonia. It was just all done. So I think the pandemic, I, I think it has been talked a lot about like th this topic of what's happening to culture practitioners and artists in the pandemic. We've talked a lot about this. I would even be more interested to hear about your experience with young people before and now after the pandemic. It doesn't matter. How do they 
make it happen for themselves. So as a young artist, somebody is interested in your philosophy and you're interested in their work, maybe you know them. How do you see them coping with, you know, being a young artist? What have you noticed as recurring issues for young people in the art sector that you work with on all your different projects? And maybe some of those issues you have plausible potential potential solutions to. I would be really interested to hear your experience around that question. I think the main issue that everyone faces everywhere is a lack of funding. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that means like you have to find an alternative ways to earn your living and then it, you have less and less time for your art. So many, uh, many of young and not young artists are stuck in the same situation. I would also say like, I mean, the, the most common problem, even for ourselves, being super honest, is like people have to work on several other works to earn the money to do what they want. I also have to say Vienna has a... Um, in comparison to other countries, like if I compare it, for example, with Mexico or I don't know how it's Lithuania, but I know, like, I mean, the funding for art is very, very limited and it goes just up to a very closed hierarchical, really for high institutions and museums or just also this kind of like, oh, I know you. And then, of course, uh they have more possibility of, of getting money. Uh, and, and to be super honest, like Vienna still is, is maybe uh, it's hard to make a living out of it or to, I mean, you still have to struggle. But um, Vienna has um, good fundings for young artists and for institutions as well. And we've been very lucky also to be funded by the government on the projects uh, we're doing. Otherwise, it would be nearly impossible for us to continue existing after so many years. Exactly. There is this, uh, I feel there is a maybe a bit higher opportunity or possibility uh, to work in art and culture sector here in Austria without monetizing your activity. So like uh, having it for for people for community without making any profit otherwise you always face this like capitalistic (laughs) reality that you need to somehow make a profit out of the thing you do that you can support the thing you do (laughs) i think on that note i would have two comments slash questions to everybody one We recently had a discussion about how having a side job as an artist or an art professional is often seen as a sign of almost failure and lack of prestige. Had a conversation with a team member about this and she was saying, yeah, like a friend had to hide the fact that as a young artist starting to do exhibitions and having a practice in a studio, she was also working in the library. She actively avoided telling people where she was going, where she was going to do her job. What is your impression on that topic? Where do you stand on this? And then the second bit would be around money going to big institutions. I took part in an event yesterday. There was a French member of parliament and I kind of tried to address something similar. She called this elitism and kind of almost called me out on not being uh, courageous enough to call it elitism. But it wasn't exactly what I meant at that point. I was saying that you have this separate art world that sees itself as like constellation in the sky and a separate entity. And then you have all art and culture initiatives that are on a different level that do their own thing and this bigger art world constellation doesn't really see the smaller initiatives of which there are so many and they're so amazing and great. She just stated that she supported a lot of, as an MEP and through her actions, she was all for art for art and she had a more pragmatic approach as well and supporting smaller EU culture initiatives was a big goal. 
However, here we are saying that money goes to big places and we're not getting any. Is, is it something that we could somehow address? Or where do you see like this solution lying in that situation? Or what are your thoughts on it? Just not, don't have to solve world hunger. Just like, what are your thoughts on that? I think the solutions um, doesn't really, in, uh, it's not, uh, they are not in our hands in this case, right? Like, I mean, we can express uh, our opinions and we can propose like what we want to change in the system itself and uh, uh, how the money, uh, money, how the money are distributed. But we are not the ones who can like really uh, make a solution happen. Like, I have a thought. I'm, I'm sorry. I just have to get it out. Uh, on, on two things is like you were saying people seeing this side job as kind of like a failure. I don't know. I see it also like there is this generational difference, you know, like if you talk or at least I can see it uh, if I talk about it with my parents or with uh, another generation and, and it's like, oh, yeah, we're doing this. But I mean, I'm also working as a waitress and as a babysitter and just sharing the reality. They're like, oh, my God, they kind of like don't fully understand. But I mean, people who are going through the same issues It's very relatable. So I think it's also like this. Uh, it depends on which position you are. If you did everything what you have from the scratch. I mean, I'm, I'm so proud of it and I would not hide it because I'm so proud of it. Uh, also coming from this uh, migration background and, and having a life here. I talk about it like very consciously with people who who have like a very privileged, uh, who is not conscious about this kind of issues because I think it should be just talked about it. And like, it's a bit complicated. I, I would say it's it's really kind of like this uh, generational issue. And, and it's also a thing. So for, for people who never experienced the same, they would not understand it. Yeah, if I if I cannot uh, if, if I can top up on this um, side hustle <laughs> uh, topic, I would uh, uh, I had the moments in in um, I don't know during the last seven years since we opened Improper Walls there, I was feeling like people uh, I work with uh, with as a curator or co-curator or like in some projects they see myself doing that and I don't feel very comfortable. Mm. Like you know, I don't have this kind of like. Um, image of myself that I'm like, you know, strong and smart enough to not to be, not to have to do something as like uh, waitering the tables, for example. Mm -hmm. And I, I think Ala was uh, always the one like, you know, saying like, why do you care? Like, you know, they should see that you are the same as they are and you are the same thing. You are doing things together. So it's, it's a plus, you know, it's a, a, a to, to do that. And also I came up uh, <clears throat> Later, after this kind of like on and off going struggle with that, I also realized how important it is yeah. how you learn. So for inspiration in a, in a creative field, where else you're going to know without experiencing things yourself, how the world is working, especially when you're working on the social topics or if it's what is interests you and what your work is all around about. So I, I see now it as a privilege, mm. like to, to be able to have the side hustles, which inspires me, like learning about people, learning about life and adapting into my like uh, practice in, in a culture and art. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it seems to me uh, that th these two questions are connected because usually people, um, the side job usually is from another sphere where they have much more money and opportunities in terms of uh, salary. And uh, usually people uh, that they're involved in different initiatives, they have these side jobs. And uh, for, I think most of cultural practitioners have uh, at least one inspirational project and one commercial project. So uh, this uh, really exists. And uh, these two worlds maybe have to um, it, it's hard to, to change uh, from the perspective of small organization. Maybe it has to be supported uh, by higher structures like governmental, institutional institutions. Exactly. And then, you know, when you think about the, 
um, bigger structures, bigger like cultural organizations, art institutions, uh, which get lots of funding and they also monetizing their activities by selling tickets like entrance and everything. Um, people working there, they, most of the times they also not so free as us, like doing like some nonprofit oh, or alternative, uh, alternative yes. art and culture work. Because they depend on this, like structures. There are hierarchical structures also in in management, mm-hmm. and and uh, it goes from very tall, from the money givers to the like you know I don't know your closest manager. Like and you have to go all the steps until the project and the project idea comes from the top usually, or it should be, uh, or it must be approved from the top. At this moment in life, I would not dream to work for the big institution because I'm really would be scared to lose this freedom of the expression like and creativity I have here uh, working in an alternative and smaller art and cultural space. That's a very important point, I think you said, because basically, I mean, we we do hustle, but we have the freedom. And as we called it before, like, I mean, the privilege to be able to do what we're doing. But and, and we also do it how we want to do it. So there is no one up us telling us what to do, which topics to talk about, how should we present it. And like, I mean, that's so valuable because we could also, I mean, with experience, I think that we have, like we could already, I don't know, work in institutions for long time hours, but then then you don't have time or you don't have even like still, you know, like power to do the things that we're doing. Yeah, I also agree. I think that something I uh, mentioned during our pre-recording chat, this um, motivation and uh, supportive environment of NGOs for young people, the European Youth Parliament for me specifically, it's, it's a major foundation for how I perceive teamwork, how I perceive achievement, and a lot of the things I learned came from there. Um you don't make money. It's a nonprofit. There's a handful of people who are making some, like who are paid and they work in Berlin. Everybody else is a volunteer. It's a second full-time job. You do it. You do it for years and you go to events around Europe that are organized by people such as yourself. And I think a big reason why it works is because you do it with some assistance but the way you would like to. You are actively encouraged to implement innovation or to apply yourself in a new way. And you're told, yeah, go ahead. We're going to support you, but we want to see new stuff. This is why we're here. Like I think we are may- way more efficient in so many things in smaller organizations or NGOs like this. Again, an example, a friend talking about this, collaborating on destructura, decisions get made in a minute, working in a big institution to approve the silliest, smallest, most insignificant things. You need three meetings, 15 people, 80 phone calls. And then maybe you're allowed to put, I don't know, green color on the poster. So there's a lot of freedom in this. And that's, that's again, a, a very big motivation for me in doing this project i think that lots of us young people who are getting into these professions are doing these internships and getting to know the institutional way of doing things like you know this bureaucracy this being very hierarchically dependent on somebody above and also saying okay i have to go through the humiliation because uh, unfortunately, it happens. Young people get there, and you like you bring coffee. You're sworn at. It's a it's a sad reality, but it's there. And going through those experiences, people say, "Okay, this is how it is. I have to adapt myself to be that way." But one of the major messages that we would like to share with at least a hundred people this time is that you don't have to. F- fit this mold in order to be a professional in the culture and the arts field. I think that's also something we would, (laughs) or we want at least like, I don't know, within our team, but also within our community. 
just, you know, I mean, what's being authentic? That's also a big question. But like, I don't know, just be yourself and respect. I think respecting everyone coming, you know, like from different. And that's why like diversity is so important. So important. Like, I mean, us coming from different realities also have already kind of like a wider I mean, I can say wider because like different realities and then you come here and there's like different. So we have a wider perspective of how things work in different places. So it's, it's super important like to not fall into these expectations. And I also like, yeah, I would also be a bit um, resilient to work in bigger organizations because from what I've heard, it's uh, <laughs> it's not the way I would want to work. It, like you know, especially like beginning with the respect uh, within the the people you work with. With and um, sometimes I think it's a it's a big issue. Like especially within these like super hierarchical um, institutions. You had a question. So which are the main issues? Like or, or kind of like. Um, yeah, issues from contemporary artists. What's the main problem they are facing? I would say also from Austria, because like m- many people, maybe like listening to this podcast, uh, won't have like a broad knowledge of Austrian scene. But I think it's also very important to say there are not, um, I don't know, there is, uh, there are not so many like big art collectors, you know? I, there are a couple and this is something I was talking also with a Mexican friend in other countries, there are like more defined collectors buying things or buying artworks from young artists or upcoming artists. Uh, But here in Vienna, it's really hard. And this, we also like realized about it. It's not that our purpose was to, to tag the, <laughs> the, the big curators in, in Vienna. But, uh, of course we, we, we want our artists to have like the visibility and the opportunity of selling their artworks. And, uh, it, it's, it's, I don't know. There are not so many. It's the uh, same in Estonia. It's, um, quite a small number of collectors it's a pretty small world i think katja also has a quite some uh, interesting insight on this uh, having had a gallery that was specifically selling young artists work that was under a certain price what's this what's the case in ukraine i think uh, we also have a similar situation and uh, it seems to me here we even have less uh, young collectors so I, I don't know exactly how it works in Austria, but in terms of like people up to 35 years old, um, they, many of them, they cannot afford or either just not interested too much uh, to buy a, a new artwork. So I just feel you absolutely. <laughs> Anybody listening, uh, if you're not an artist, but you want to support the arts, there are affordable artworks. You know, improper walls, they have things coming up, check out what they're doing, support some young people. Uh, but at this point, I would slowly start wrapping up. And I think I'm going to go with a very uh, traditional question, thinking that people who are listening to us also want to gather some knowledge from our podcasts. Coming from the side of the aisle where you run a space and uh, where you have lots of different collaborations and different kinds of projects, what would be your advice, your words of advice to young practitioners out there? <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking about this uh, song <laughs> and I will be very corny, but like, don't stop <laughs> believing. <laughs> <laughs> and put it on a on, on loop. <laughs> no, I, I would say like, yes, it's not like don't stop believing, but just like do it. <laughs> yeah. Like if you, if you have some ideas that are uh, like, of course, it depends where you live and like what possibilities you have. But I don't know, like uh, from my experience, I opened the space without any knowledge, without any like a... Uh, um, 
money, basically. So uh, it is possible. Uh, everything is everything possible. Everything is possible, yes. You just, um, and especially now, like, you know, all information is so available. You can collaborate. You can, you know, check what's happening in other countries. You can immigrate. <laughs> you can move out. Like, you know, I, I think the most important is just like, you know, if you if you know what you want to do or you know what you like, what makes you happy, just try to do it. We live in a times when where everything is possible. Not everywhere again, I will repeat, but <laughs> but uh, if you are around here in Europe, uh, um, I think that's not so difficult. I think everyone has insecurities and everyone has fears and it's very valid, but don't let those insecurities or those fears kind of like hold you up. We're also like personally very shy people very <laughs> not super outgoing but you know like I, I mean at least in the professional um sense we really try it not to hold us up uh, and and we like i think it's like so important to go out of your comfort zone sometimes or be yourself i would say like you know uh don't be afraid to be yourself. Go yeah. there and say, like, oh, I'm sorry, now I'm, I'm, I feel very shy. Uh, um, yeah, talking yeah. about it, naming it. Like, Talk about it. Yes. Say, like, you know, like, uh, I, I, I cannot uh, shake your hand. I'm, I cannot talk in, in, um, in front of the public. Say it. It doesn't mean that you're not able to do things. And you don't have to pretend, you know, that you have to be this, like, uh, like go according to these rules, like, people are expecting of you yeah. no you're still talented mm -hmm. you're still amazing and name your things out loud no one will run away from you you're still gonna do it and you're and still actually, gonna do it great. yes you're encouraging people for also you know like uh acting that way when you say like oh i'm, I'm feeling a bit anxious right now and also respect it you know like let's have a call another day and also like respecting this and and i don't know like yeah. respect uh, look for the safe space safe yes. environments create one yourself i think that is very important i think that that was a lot of very useful advice and very motivating advices <laughs> i think it's an extremely valuable one to tell people that You can say that, oh, no, no, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not really into handshaking or hugging or cheek, cheek kissing if it's not in my tradition. Let me tell you about my exhibition. It's okay to be a bit different from, from who you're talking to and to tell them. More likely than not, they're not going to bite you or think less of you. Again, more likely than not, they're going to think higher of you. And I think on that note, we can say our goodbyes and uh, hope to meet again. Thank you so much for joining us for this chat. It was invigorating and lovely. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for inviting us. Uh, very welcome. And uh, we'll hear from you in the nearest future. For now, bye-bye. Thank you, girls. Bye. Ciao.